I love our elders uh, and just, I, I'm so appreciative of their ministry here. We had one playing bass. Uh, there's some of our elders out uh, greeting people as they come in. And of course, Jeff Houston uh, just leading us in, in wonderful, wonderful announcement time this morning, man. It was, it was inspiring, inspiring. I was, I was in Israel when you uh, did the furniture roundup and like wore the cowboy hat. So I'm really sorry I missed that. I was hoping when I saw he was doing announcements this morning that he might bust that back out. But uh, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe next time. But Jeff has been our uh, kind of the chairman of our elders for the last year. Uh, extra weight, extra responsibility, uh, extra burden that he and Christy have shared. And he's going to be stepping down. I'm going not stepping down, but maybe stepping away for a little bit, going on sabbatical during the next ministry year. And so, can we just take a little bit of a moment to appreciate Jeff and everything that he does for our church, man? Love you, dude. Love you, love you. Well, there are some people that have green thumbs and there are some that don't. And I'll let you guess which category Amber and I fall into. <laughs> After Easter, we grabbed a few plants that we had around the church and we took them home and they were beautiful and they were fragrant and they brought all sorts of life and color to our home. And literally three weeks later, this is what they look like, <laughs> dead dry, brittle. Uh, I asked Sherry Fickner um, how hers was doing and she's like, oh, it's doing great. She sent me a picture of it and it's like green and lush. And she's like, I'm about ready to plant it into the ground. I'm like, I'm about ready to throw mine into the trash. Like two very different, very different thumbs uh, that take care of plants right there. But we are three weeks past Easter three weeks when we had these beautiful lilies and tulips and not dandelions, uh, daffodils. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> dandelions are in my yard and I have no problem keeping those alive. Uh, daffodils. <laughs> We're three weeks past all of that. The, the day when we celebrate that the resurrection changes everything for everyone. But has it changed anything in you? Has the resurrection changed anything in me? Is the resurrection growing and bearing fruit in your life? Or three weeks later, three years later, three decades later, however long you've been following Jesus, is the resurrection in you look a little bit more like this plant? It's just kind of dried up dead, not, not doing anything. I think if the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in, is, is growing in us, it's going to be seen in a, in a multiple to, multitude of ways. If the resurrection is growing in us, Jesus says that, that our life is going to bear fruit. He says, abide in me and I will abide in you and your life will bear much fruit. Paul says that if the Holy Spirit is working in you, it is going to bear fruit in your life, fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. But I think that one of the ways that we will see if the gospel is bearing fruit in our life is in what we are talking about today. It will show up in how we use our rights and our freedoms that we have in Christ. Freedom was a big deal to Jesus. It is at the heart 
of the gospel. Early in his ministry, Jesus said that he came to proclaim freedom to the captives, freedom to those who are held in bondage by their sin and their shame, freedom to walk in a relationship with God and have confidence in his love for us. Later, Jesus says that if he sets us free, then we are free indeed. We are free from God's wrath. We are free from the fear of death. We are free from the weight of legalism. And if we are free, then we have the right in Christ to live in that freedom. We have the right in Christ to proclaim God's grace over us and not be judged or condemned by others we are no longer bound to the law. Instead, we are set free by the grace of God, freely given to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And all of these freedoms and all of these rights belong to us because of the gospel. And the way we use those freedoms and those rights speak volumes about how the gospel is growing and living and flourishing in us, or if it looks more like this plant, dried up, withering. And I believe there are times when the gospel compels us to lay down our rights and take up our responsibilities. There are times when the gospel compels us to lay down our rights and take up our responsibilities. You see, when we start following Jesus, we remove ourselves from being the center of our universe. There is a new number one. Jesus now sits on that seat and we follow him. And the path of Jesus as we follow him is a path that leads us to self-denial. And oftentimes, self-denial requires us to lay down our rights and take up our responsibilities. And as with all things in life and in faith, Jesus is our prime example of this. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, this early Christian hymn. Paul points to it and says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. We're gonna talk a little bit more about what that means here in a little bit. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus had all of the rights of God and he had enjoyed those rights for all of eternity. Jesus was not limited by the things that we are limited by, things like time and, and space. He was not uh, limited by, by his power. Jesus had, had all of these rights of God. He had thousands of angels who stood ready at his very command. He was worshiped and he was served. Jesus lacked Nothing. 
And these were his rights as God. But instead of holding on to those rights, the apostle Paul in this early Christian hymn says that Jesus did not use equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Instead, he laid down those rights. Instead of holding on to them, he laid them down and took on flesh. He took on the responsibility of taking our sin to the cross so that we could be forgiven so that we could find freedom, so that we could enjoy the rights of being sons and daughters of God. And as the Holy Spirit shapes and molds us more and more into the image of Christ, then we begin to reflect the attitude and the actions of Jesus. As we become more like Jesus and the gospel grows inside of us, we will begin to demonstrate those same things that Jesus did, including his willingness to lay down his rights and take up his responsibilities. Paul spends a few chapters in the middle of his his letter to the Corinthians on this topic. If you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll also have the words up on the screen. And his main point in this section that spans from chapters 8 through chapters 10, his his main point is that the rights we have in Jesus are secondary to the responsibilities we have to help others find and follow him. Let me say that again. The rights that we have in Jesus are secondary to the responsibility that we have to help others find and follow him. In other words, our rights and freedoms in Christ take a back seat to our responsibility to lead others to Jesus, to help their faith flourish and grow. And he talks about this in light of a number of different issues. In fact, as Paul kind of transitions into these um, middle and, and later chapters in 1 Corinthians, he starts to say, now, now about this, now about that, now concerning this, now concerning that. He, he is addressing some of the things that the Corinthians had written to him asking questions about. And, and one of those questions that they had was, well, what about food that was sacrificed to idols in pagan worship? Something I have never thought about one time in my walk with Jesus. What do I do? You know, was this burger sacrificed to Zeus? And am I going to join in Zeus worship if I eat this burger? Never thought that about, about that one time in my walk with faith. But these were the things that these new followers of Jesus were trying to figure out. There was a temple on every corner in, Cor- in Corinth. And people would, would take sacrifices and offer them up to these pagan gods, to these idols as a form of worship. And the question was, well, do we actually participate when we eat some of that meat that was offered up to idols? And, and some in Corinth were saying, well, no, like they had the knowledge to know that they worship Jesus, not this idol, and, and they have the freedom and the liberty to eat whatever they want. And so they would eat that meat without any feelings of condemnation, without any feelings of of guilt, that that somehow they were participating in worship. But not everyone shared that same conviction. In fact, Paul refers to them as, as our weaker brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe some who would look at that and say, oh, well, clearly you're participating in idol worship because you're eating that meat. Or, or younger people in faith, or maybe people who are exploring faith would look at that and say, well, maybe it's okay to worship Jesus and to worship these idols. 
And so Paul is saying, yes, you have the knowledge to know what you are free to do, but don't let your knowledge puff up your head. (laughs) Instead, build others up in the way that you love them, in the way that you are willing to take what you know is okay and lay it down for the good of someone else. And so, yes, you have the right to eat that meat that was sacrificed to these pagan gods, but you also have a responsibility to avoid it if it causes a brother or sister in Christ to stumble or even slip back in to idol worship. And Paul continues this in chapter 9. He talks about his right as an apostle to make a living preaching the, the gospel, but that he has given up that right as to not be a burden to the Corinthians. And as he continues to work all of this out in chapter nine, Paul tells us how he uses his freedom in Christ to advance the gospel, how he lays down his rights so that more people can find and follow Jesus, the same Jesus that absolutely transformed his life and can transform theirs too. So look at it with me. First Corinthians nine, I want to start in verse 19. Paul says, though I am free, and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. And this is how he kind of ties it all up. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. So Paul makes it clear that his ultimate goal is to win people to Jesus. He uses that word win five times in these four verses. He wants to bring as many people as possible into a saving faith in Jesus. That is his passion. That is his purpose. And he is so committed to it that he is actually willing to give up his rights and his freedoms and make himself subject to others if it means showing them the love of Jesus. Someone said that Paul's method for reaching people can be described as faithful flexibility. That when it comes to relating to the people that he's trying to reach, Paul is extremely flexible in his, in his words and in his behaviors, even his preferences. But, but, but even in the midst of his flexibility, he is steadfastly faithful to Jesus. He didn't want any unnecessary obstacles to get in the way of people coming to Christ. And so he was willing to adapt his approach in order to to reach those he was trying to reach. And I think the principle for us in this is that followers of Jesus build bridges to reach people, not walls to keep them out. We build bridges to reach people with the good news of Jesus, not walls that make it more difficult for them to come to him. We 
must be willing to meet people where they are and build bridges of trust and empathy and respect, not walls of judgment and fear that can become barriers to someone finding Jesus. And in these verses, Paul gives some examples of how he kind of works this out to those that he has been called to, to share the gospel with. And so he says to the Jews, I became like a Jew. He became like, like one who is living underneath the law, even though he now lives in the freedom of grace. And this is astounding because Paul's, some of his strongest words are reserved to, to talk about the grace that we now have through Jesus, that we are no longer bound to the law. But now he says, if I can lead someone to Christ by laying down my rights, I'm going to do it. If I can lead someone to Jesus and build a bridge to them by participating in a ceremonial cleansing, observing a holy day, then fine. I'm going to do it. Not because I have to or I'm under some kind of obligation to do it, to justify myself, but to build a bridge to be able to share the gospel with this person. In Acts 21, we read that Paul went as far as even shaving his head and joining a group of Jewish men in their purification rite in an attempt to build a bridge to them to share Jesus. That's flexibility. But in faithfulness, Paul wouldn't have done anything that directly conflicted with the gospel that he came to preach. Like if they were saying to him, hey, Paul, we're going to go and, and make a sacrifice for the atonement of our sin. Why don't you come and join us? You've already shaved your head. <laughs> Paul would be like, no, that's, that's not the gospel. That's, I'm, so I'm not going to participate in that. Let me tell you about Jesus and why I don't have to participate in that. In verse 21, he says that to the Gentiles, to those not under the law, he became like a Gentile. Paul would adapt his words to reach a different audience. The, the message of Jesus would still be the same, but how he presented that message would, would look different because they didn't know the scripture. They didn't have the reference points that, that Paul had or, or, or the, the, the history of his Jewish audience. In Acts 17, we, we see Paul quoting their own philosophers to build bridges of trust. That's flexibility. But in faithfulness, Paul knows that while he is no longer under Jewish law, he is under the law of Christ, which means that Jesus is his Lord. He follows him. The gospel is his guide, not the culture around him. And so even though he lives like one outside of the law, he is not lawless. Paul is not going to say to the thief, I became like a thief so I could tell him about the riches of Christ while we rob people of their purses and wallets. <laughs> And trying to win people to Christ, Paul is not going to conform so much to the culture around him that, that he is indistinguishable from them. But where appropriate, Paul is willing to toss aside his rights and his freedoms and even some of his convictions if it means helping someone find and follow Jesus. He would go out of his way to take part in his culture if it meant shining the light of Jesus into the darkness of their world. Michael Green, who is no relation, uh, writes, Paul would have been as active in evangelizing skinheads as undergraduates. 
He would have been as much at home talking of Christ in the local bar as the open air of a dinner party. Paul had a way of relating the gospel to people, of building bridges and tearing down walls for the sake that they might find and follow Jesus. And he, and he tells us why in verse 23. He says, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Paul uses his freedom in Christ to make himself a servant so that some might be saved and transformed by the gospel. As one commentator says, in the final analysis, it is the gospel that determines conduct. That if we want to know how to live or act in a certain situation, how to reach people for Christ, all we have to do is look at the life of Jesus and allow that to guide us. Jesus emptied himself of his rights and his freedoms. Jesus made himself nothing and came to serve us. Jesus built bridges to us and tore down walls that kept us from the Father. And then he turned around and he sent us out to do the very same thing. And I tell you, I see this all the time around here. Adeline, um, our oldest, is going into sixth grade next year, uh, which means that in just like a month, she's going to be joining our, our middle school ministry. And uh, on, on Friday night, Grant, our middle school minister, uh, and a group of adult leaders uh, did a, a middle mayhem event, and they invited the incoming sixth grade students uh, so they could get kind of a taste of what middle school ministry is, is all about. And, and when I dropped her off, um, I noticed a couple of things. Uh, one, I'm getting older. There's a lot more gray hair on my head than what there used to be. I now have a, a daughter in middle school, which means there's going to be even more of that over the next few years. <laughs> but, but I also noticed... That, that right in the middle of these middle schoolers was a group of young adults who are right there playing games with these students, having a good time, talking to them, getting to know them. They had every right and every freedom to do whatever they wanted to do with their Friday night. And I imagine they probably could have thought of some much better things to do than hang out with a group of middle schoolers. And yet that's where they were. To our middle schoolers, they became like a middle schooler in hopes that they might win some to Jesus. And let me tell you, having served as a middle school minister for five years, there is an extra crown in heaven for people who volunteer in that ministry. <laughs> but they do it for the sake of the gospel, to share in its joy and its blessing. Last week, I heard about a mom in our church whose daughter plays softball. And many of the girls on our team don't follow Jesus. Their parents don't go to church anywhere. And so this mom decided to intentionally pour into them, have a ministry to them. And for a while now, she sent messages to other moms uh, to offer to pick up the girls and, and, and take them to church or, or campus life with Youth for Christ. And, and she doesn't have to do that. It's hard enough oftentimes to get our own kids out the door, let alone make trips around the community to pick up other people's kids to take them. But for several months, she's been doing this. And many miles later, one of those girls made a decision last week to start following Jesus. Let me say that again. One of those girls made a decision last week <laughs> to start following 
Jesus. To these kids, this mom became an Uber driver <laughs> so that some of them might come to Jesus. When it comes to our rights and our responsibilities, the gospel is our guide. Jesus is our example of laying it all down for the sake of others to experience the love of the Father. And so I wonder this morning, if there is something that Jesus is calling you to lay down in order to help someone else find and follow him. Maybe it's a night of the week to give up in order to lead a group into connecting community. Because man, we need that more and more in our culture today. Maybe what you need to give up is a prejudice or a judgment that you have against someone in your life, maybe even your neighbor. <laughs> you need to lay that down for the sake of maybe reaching them with the good news of Jesus. And you may have every right to be upset, but are you willing to allow the gospel to transform you to where you are able to lay that down so that they might know him? Maybe it's some of your time to serve in a ministry or pour into a friend or a family member. And yes, this is going to cost you something. Self-denial always costs us something. But as Paul says, we do it for the sake of the gospel and to share in the blessing of the gospel growing in us growing in us, and, and, we, and we do it to, to share in the joy of seeing the gospel growing in others and helping them find and follow Jesus. As we lay down our rights and we pick up our responsibilities, we embody the gospel. We embody the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We live it out, and it lives in us, growing and bearing fruit. And so my question this morning is, is has the resurrection changed anything in you? Is it growing in you? Is it flourishing in you? Or, or does your faith look more like this poor plant? The beauty, the beauty of this, somebody told me in the eight o'clock service that these bulbs that are in the ground, that are in the dirt here, can be taken up and replanted and start to grow again. And so if you feel like this today, and there's a dryness, and the resurrection just doesn't really seem like it's doing anything in your life, man, there's still hope. God still wants to grow that in you, and he can grow that in you. And so may we view the rights that we have in Jesus as secondary to the responsibilities that we have to help others find and follow him. May we be a church that builds bridges to help people experience more of Jesus, not walls that keep them away. And may the power of the resurrection give us the power and the grace that we need to become all things to all people so that by all means we might be able to bring some to Jesus. They may experience the joy of a life lived in him. And if you're ready this morning to find the joy of that life, and we're ready to help come alongside of you and take those next steps. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for modeling 
this for us. Thank you for giving up your rights and taking on responsibility of our sin, going to the cross, bearing the punishment that we deserve so that we could be forgiven. And Lord, forgive us for those times when we demand our ways, we demand our rights. And Lord, help us to be able to follow in the steps of Jesus as we are being conformed more and more into his image and likeness that we are willing to lay those things down, pick up our responsibilities and help others know, love and follow him too. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can watch all of our video content, both current and past, on our YouTube channel? Visit youtube.com slash Sherwood Oaks to watch messages, series, and complete worship services.